One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to part 2 of our delightful best of where we're heading back through the back catalogue and finding some of our favourite moments. If you haven't listened to part one yet, press pause, press stop, go back to the feed, listen to part one featuring Stephen Fry, Tam France, Travis Alabanza, Hannah Gadsby. Have a listen to that first and then come back here for part two where listeners, you are going to be treated to the delights of Liz Carr, Beth Ditto, Paris Lees, Patti Smith, Debbie Harry. Nice. And now we're moving into the realm of space. (laughs) I knew I could smell something. (laughs) Yes, it's getting spicy in here. And we have Mel C. Let's have a listen. I mean, perhaps in a way you, you lost control in other areas of your life, perhaps because you weren't in control of your working life and your day to day life. And that yeah. those two things are so combined. And it was that when you, you know, when you fired your manager and, and everything, was that you trying to kind of say, no, we, we can control it. We can do it. We want to take back that control ourselves. Yeah, I, I think there was a, I think each of us had slightly different reasons. But I think, you know, personally for me, the whole, you know, we talked about we were on biscuits and chocolate and cola yeah. and, you know, clothes and wallpaper and we were everywhere and it felt like overkill and personally for me being the serious one um all of the emphasis was being taken away from the music right you know and that's what I wanted to do and I and I there was a little bit of backlash as well you know people were starting to get a bit irritated with the Spice Girls being everywhere it was almost like we'd sold out in a way and it was a very different time do you remember when you know if an, an artist would never have a song on an advert because that was selling out right now you would kill to have a oh song on an advert it's it's changed so oh, so I much because you did and that pepsi that... generation next generation that was yeah. that was a, that was a huge thing wasn't your pepsi but there was campaign. that yeah. you're talking Massive. about alan that day when you guys sacked your manager and it was in, in at the height right because you've left your management twice yeah. right but the second yeah. time. Uh, we're always leaving. We, we actually say there's <laughs> only Richard again. Grant we haven't sacked. <laughs> <laughs> but That's I always amazing. want to know, like, what happens on the day, like, so what, day after you sack the management, who answered the phone calls for you lot? Oh, my gosh. This whole scenario, I mean, we laugh about it. When we get together, this always comes up. So we were at the MTV um, European Music Awards in Rotterdam, yeah. and it was 1997. We were performing Spice Up Your Life, all these things I remember, and we had made the decision that we were going to leave Simon Fuller. And, you know, Simon had... He was kind of like the sixth member, you know, he was there through everything, but we'd had enough, you know, we'd, we'd sold out enough. We wanted to get back to, you know, us. And I think at the time there was, 
it was quite fractious between us and we weren't really, our relationships were being affected and we just felt like, right, we need to take exactly, take control of this situation. We need to get back to basics. And we decided to leave him, but he did like hold the cards with everything. And we had a PA and of course it was before like anyone had a laptop or a Blackberry yeah, or anything. Yeah, oh and she had a Filofax and Jerry had, in true Jerry style, she had this, it, I, I call it a carpet bag. It wasn't a carpet bag. It was like a, um, it was some like second hand, like stitched up like old granny bag, like only Jerry would have. And she stole the PA's file of facts <laughs> because everybody's numbers were in it. And then we had to go and rehearse for the MTV Awards. And we did, and it was a massive production. We had our live band with us. We were doing Spice at Your Life. And she did the whole rehearsal. There was a big like catwalk and everything. She did the whole thing with this bag on her shelf because <laughs> it held the cards to everything. But she was too scared to leave and, it in the dressing room. Too scared, oh, yeah. I mean, but these, that must these like, the did it immediately like memories. that like you had to book your own cars like did the, the, the bat fly the band back i mean just like all of a sudden that I, you, that's you all i to... can think about is taxis like who the fuck <laughs> <a> taxi <laughs> but i love it when you know when jerry used to often like saying oh we manage ourselves you know and it's like can you imagine <laughs> yeah. right i mean she, she'll shoot me for saying that because she i think she's she's pretty much managing us right now but, <laughs> <laughs> but just, did you do it you, but... fire, you fired him again i didn't know that when did you fire him again no, so we, um, it's, you know what, we're unmanageable. Mm. That is the problem. <laughs> Debbie Harry next. I just remember talking to Debbie Harry and going, my dogs are barking so much, but so are hers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There was a lot of canine uh, interruptions or soundtrack. <laughs> One thing that Alan and I talk about quite a lot on this podcast is the idea of by erasure you know alan is bisexual but often is referred to as a gay man and people often refer to like gay periods in people's lives rather than saying well actually that person is bisexual you know and it's something that really gets up alan's nose as i discovered firsthand um and <laughs> and <laughs> don't fuck with me chris Sweeney. amen to that um, okay but i know that there have been periods in your life where you have identified as bisexual or or have you and have you felt the need to qualify it or have you always felt that it's journalists doing that for you well no I, I always felt entitled you know and I don't think that that's a really feminine characteristic mm. um except for you know in, in certain ways certain uh levels of society I think a, a lot of women feel they're entitled but mm. um I always felt uh, entitled to you know be the man I always wanted to be, <laughs> I love that. and uh, you know, and, and working as I as I did in a band with all guys, you know, I I really had to employ an aggressiveness that perhaps I, I wouldn't have in, in other situations, um, and uh, I don't know that that sort of the well, this was natural, you know, that I. I uh, it's just a matter of intelligence to me. I don't even know that it has to do with, you know, sexuality. Sexuality is such a, almost kind of a nebulous mm. thing in a way. Um, you know, and it means so, it's so different for mm. each person. Totally. I just want to just run out and get some hormone shots. I'll see you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my God, comedy timing. <laughs> I always say sexuality is like a, going on holiday, going on vacation. You don't always want to go to the mm. same place all the time. <laughs> yes. I, it, for me, it has to do with, you know, fascination and, and crush, crushes and um, sort of like a magnetic mm. thing. Yeah. And uh, whatever, you know, whoever it is, you know, I've had crushes on all, all different kinds of people, all different sexes. And, you know, some of them have come to fruition and others haven't. <laughs> so You've yeah. got to kiss a lot of frogs. I love a good crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love a crush. Yeah. This next one is a conversation where we just laughed and laughed and laughed because I Liz... might have peed. I might have got moist in my, under, in my jock strap at this one. Really hilarious. Hilarious. She is pure mischief, Liz Carr. She's sitting in her Dolly Parton uh, inspired um, wheelchair. Didn't she have a Dolly yes. Parton headdress or something behind there her? There were feather boas all over Fe- the there place. There was feathers. There was a big feather thing. I think it was stuck onto her wheelchair. Maybe it was just behind her on the on the thing. It looked like it was on her wheelchair. I'm so excited for her. She's having this kind of really exciting moment in her career as well. It talks about how she, you know, her beginnings as both a performer and as an activist and meeting her part meet the story of meeting her partners hilarious yes and their wedding all done oh, their weddings their first great. dance and stuff yeah uh, so this is the darling liz Carr. well growing up i was asexual um right. that that was my sort of and there is a kind of a a joke that goes you know disabled people come in three categories male female and asexual because really, really we're not really seen as no. sexual beings mm. we're not so you get programs like there's a program called the undateables and it's like oh. Oh, isn't it lovely these two disabled people find love oh, mm. you know and if they can then we can feel better about ourselves <laughs> yes oh. right yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it's not really you know i was never it was i, I kind of wanted it but i wasn't seeing mm. relationships with people like me mm on tv mm, yeah. and i certainly wasn't seeing queer relationships mm, yeah. so honestly although i went to an all-girls school uh i don't think i thought about it and I, I mean i didn't i didn't um go out with a woman i've actually only been with one woman which is my wife my recruiter lesbian my wife well, <laughs> um, <laughs> she proudly says that she <laughs> says that She's in the room here now with our three black cats. So, yeah. uh, okay, um, we won't say a word. It's fine. <laughs> well, together we are Jizz. I'm, she's Joe. I'm Liz. So our, our combined names. <laughs> and then everything changed because I, uh, you know, I was free. I went to university. I traveled. Travel was my real love. And the more that I traveled, it was interesting how many gay prides I seemed to fall into. Uh, and turn turn up at uh, so and and found a natural allegiance with queer with kink mm-hmm. as well. They were much more interesting mm-hmm. communities and much more welcoming communities than mainstream. So I found my place mm. on the outside and on the fringes. And and then I kind of I found women attractive. I found men attractive. So y- yes, I'm married to a woman. I would guess that I'm bisexual. But yeah, I, I don't feel I kind of was holding it in and, and not being able to express mm. it. I think, you know, as soon as Joe said to me, come with me to that bar and I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> well, well, I felt the juices flow. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> was that, our opening, uh, that really was our opening gambit? Yeah, 
Yeah, and she's, she's shy. That. She's a she's a baby butch, a beautiful baby butch. She's really shy. You know, managed to get her phone number by the end of the night, and that's it. We were texting all night, dated a week later. Date started on Friday. She left Sunday night. Oh. So, yeah, that's it, really. That's, you know, and we've kind of, that was 13-odd years ago. So. That's beautiful. And I was... Um, I always feel if you've read something on someone's Wikipedia, you have to confess uh, because it's the most lazy journalism. But I did read on your Wikipedia uh, that you had... We tragically read Wikipedia pages together. Yes. That's how tragic we yeah. are. Like, you and me, Chris. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, look our, at this. A lavish wow. research. Yes, but your wedding sounded amazing. Tell us about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's funny because Joe, as I said, is shy. And it's not like we believe in the importance of marriage as a as a construct and as an idea. And it's really funny, another lesbian couple of friends of ours were getting married and they were like, yeah, we're doing it for tax reasons. And we were like, oh, we just want a party and presents. Um, so we decided if we were going to do it, we were going to go big. And yeah. um, we'd both lost really important people to us over the years. Mm. I talked about my, my soulmate. I'd lost her in my 20s. Wow. Joe had lost uh, her dad and, and other relatives, of course, natural in life. And so we plumped for Day of the Dead. So we got married <laughs> on November the 1st, uh, which is the Mexican or the, you know, celebration, yes. not just Mexican, of that's where the dead come they back. come back, yeah. Oh, how lovely, yeah. So we thought That's then amazing. we can have everybody there that we want. We can have the dead and the living. Oh, I love it. Uh, the dead were cheaper, which was great. <laughs> they didn't, didn't eat much. Didn't need to food feed them, <laughs> so that was fantastic. So we had, like, um, all the Mexican, the papels, the paper, banners, uh, lots of candles. We had a balcony. So when the person said, you know, you may now kiss the bride or kiss each other or whatever they said, on the balcony, a Mexican mariachi band appear Fabulous. and start playing, you know, nobody <laughs> knew apart from us. Wow. And um, it was, yeah, it was quite something. In our wedding dance was pre-filmed uh, because, again, Joe's shy. And we've been, to, <laughs> we've been to too many weddings of disabled people where it's all a bit mawkish around the dance because people are a bit like, oh, how are they going to do Oh, how do they do I it? Do the their, first dance, their little yeah. broken legs. How do they do it? You know, they're just like, it's horrible. I mean, to be fair, I'm thinking that as well. Um, so, so I hate the wedding dance. I hate right, it. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. Ah, it's awful. Oh. It's awful. And then that it's, awful moment where like the best man or the dad has to come on and, and just, everyone, no, but it's just awful. It's awful. Now, Someone should direct major... those. That's what, that's what you could get a sideline in, Christopher Sweeney. <laughs> Directing the, the first dances at weddings. It's people I, need to I'm going to quote Adele here, who said, I ain't fucking doing that, I've got enough on, when someone asked her about <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is kind of that. So we did, we had a video of it. We went to Pineapple Dance Studios. Oh, amazing. Oh, wow. And learnt the um, Dirty Dancing dance. Shut and had up. it adapted for us, wheelchair-wise. Wow. Uh, and learnt that, so... And how did you go up at the end, then? Uh, so what we did, because we filmed a lot of it, and we had... That's such a um, good idea, by the way, to film I've never heard that. Such a good what idea. a fucking brilliant idea. Yeah. Because it took the stress off. And if, Absolutely. You know, it's fine for me being an exhibitionist, but if, if yes. your plus one isn't, that's totally. not... Totally. And then fun. there's no pressure. You're not worrying about it all. Yeah. All day. I mean, you've got enough to worry about when you're getting married. So we got, um, we got, because we did it at our hen night and we had a burlesque uh, themed sort of hen do. So we had both Joe's, Joe's friends 
uh, and mine. And this is a ragtag bunch of all kinds of straight lesbians, stone lesbians, butch lesbians, you know, flamboyant femmes, loads of disabled people with all kinds of God knows what's wrong with them. And um, all doing burlesque. So the burlesque teacher, Joe King, was an amazing woman. And we're doing it in Islington on the high street, on Upper Street. On the street? Yeah. (laughs) And the venue is next to the fire brigade. So she goes in and gets some firemen. So they do the lift. Wow. Ah, that's amazing. It's bonkers, really. But, yeah, a lot of fun. And... um, Oh, I'd yeah, love to see really. that. That sounds, that, that sounds it's on, I think it's on YouTube. Shut up. Is, is it on, on YouTube? YouTube? Wow. <laughs> no, um, I, have a, I have a club in, um, in New York. Did you know that list called Club Coming? I know it because of Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Touche. <laughs> Patty Smith. Can you believe we spoke to Patty Smith? I mean, I know you're friends with her, but I can't believe I it. I know, but it's sort of nuts. I just that Patty Smith's been in my house. Mm. Yeah, just, she sort of reminds me of kind of like a, a like a shaman or something. You know, it's mm. like having a, a, a spiritual person come to your house and sort of and sort of waft imaginary. Um, She's a walking sage stick. Sage, yes, yes. Here she is. So I had no idea that that Robert was suffering. You um, never talked about like well, you no, bisexual because, or, or no, because back then you just didn't. It it just didn't occur to me. Right. You know, you only. I came from an upbringing where everyone was accepted. My mother had a lot of, um, they didn't, the word, the term gay wasn't really used. They had homosexual friends. We had transvestites in our house. We had uh, people of color. We had, you know, Jewish people. And that might seem funny, but after World War II, there were a lot of prejudices, strange Mm -hmm. prejudices. And my parents were the most open-minded people. And so my upbringing was open-minded. It's just that I wasn't aware of the spectrum right. of um, homosexuality. I thought that homosexuality was a very limited spectrum. Like but a only binary because, almost. Like yeah, you're either straight or gay. Kind of yeah, yeah. Or, or that you, even less than that, mm-hmm. just that it was a more, um, that it was a more, um, how did I say, more colorful. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a, a fellas that just seemed like, you know, um, Boys in high school, I don't know how else to say oh, it. It sounds so, it sounds so, uh, to talk about these things now. Um, you know, but if you, in that time period, there wasn't a vocabulary mm. for guys that appeared straight who weren't straight. Right. It's that simple. It's almost like unless they were visible in some received way that people were portrayed on television or something there wasn't really anything outside of that like a flamboyant yes because and they they didn't reveal themselves robert in our first couple years i you know we did everything boyfriend and girlfriends do you know i wasn't uh i wasn't lacking with affection from him needs were met yeah (laughs) and uh (laughs) but and i but but once you know then when we had to go through the various stages of him um coming, you know, coming to terms with his nature and then completely giving over to it. We had so much to, um, there was so much to save in our relationship, you know, that, you know, people, sometimes people criticize um, my, you know, how I speak of us, like I'm over-romanticizing our relationship. And I caution people to remember, we were only 20. Mm. 
1967. That's different than being 20 in 1980, 1990, the 21st century. 20 in 1967 was a lot different. And people didn't, we didn't all, we had different questions. It wasn't even the biggest question wasn't what your sexuality was, was how to get out of going to Vietnam, for instance. Right. What are you, what is your feeling about the war? What is your feeling about civil rights? There were very, uh, all the assassinations that were happening. So it wasn't at the forefront yet. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and so we did have a very romantic youth. He was very romantic and we were young. I mean, both of us were also very awkward and late blooming. Right. I mean, he, he wasn't, uh, we weren't the most, uh, uh, experienced. Did you, because you were talking about that vocabulary that you both didn't have, when he started to reveal to himself more, reveal to you more about himself, did that make you think, oh, we can still love each other and this can continue? Well, yeah, and in the end, it, well, there were very, it was, there's a lot of complications. But also, you know, I was evolving too. Right. It wasn't all about Robert. Yeah. I was evolving too. And, and in the end, we both um, started pursuing other things in life. But the core thing about our life uh, the core thing to save wasn't sex, wasn't who, who was, you know, were we gay or straight or were we a couple of convenience? It wasn't any of that. It was we really, we were work centric and neither one, one of us had any, no one knew who we were. We weren't anyone, but we believed in ourselves. We were struggling. We were working. He he really respected my mind. We both respected each other. And we had developed this bond where we really felt that we hadn't met anyone who got or understood our work as much as each other. Uh. That was very important to Robert. Even when we got older, he still, he always loved for me to see his work first. Robert, you know, when I wrote a song, I sang it to him. I, when I did a drawing, I showed it to him. Affirmation from each other in terms of work right. was very important. And we, uh, it was something we couldn't let go. Away. It's like, that's like the, the first person who gets you. Yeah. And he doesn't want to change you. That's beautiful. Well. That's exactly. And, and so that was what, that was why we were able to surmount the difficulties of, um, of, of accepting, you know, the change in our relationship. Yeah. There were tears. There wasn't so many fights, a lot of weeping, um, a lot of trying again. Or, But in the end, I remember we were in, at the Chelsea and we had one <clears throat> whole night where we went over everything. And by daybreak, we knew now we had to... We, we, we had to part as a couple, but we were absolutely not going to part as friends and co-conspirators. It does feel like what was going on with you and Robert back then was like just way ahead of its time. And actually, I think that kind of concept could be explained now and someone would understand that this is a couple and, you know, it's a fluid thing and neither of them want to well, call I it what even, it is. I don't even know that. I don't know. We were just, I, I don't even think we were fluid we were two people who who suffered the consequences 
of, it, it wasn't an easy matter. It wasn't like, I mean, I would take fluid to mean that it was very easygoing and everyone right. was happy. Right. Mm. You know, it, it was challenging. Mm. It was challenging when we decided, all right, now for a while we weren't, we were still sleeping in the same bed. Then we were going to be in different rooms and different bedrooms. That was very difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and for both of us, we kept coming, knocking on each other's mm. door, you know, and having a bad dream or something. It was, you know, the separation was difficult and also jealousy, you know, a certain amount of jealousy, you know, f funny because he would have a boyfriend, but then be jealous when I was with Sam Shepard, you know, so, um, but it was more expression of, you know, again, we were young. Beth Ditto, Beth Ditto was a revelation to me. <laughs> oh, good. I love a revelation. <laughs> because... The way the thing she told she talked about the way that she that people communicated by via zines. Oh yeah, uh, it was so interesting, and I I just hadn't quite I don't know I just thought she'd be like this pop star and she'd have all but actually when she first started she was in this little punk band and they kind of like got gigs and communicated with all their fans via zines and I thought that was really amazing that we still have a connection to a time when everything wasn't just a sort of a blast. I love when people say, or a dump. I don't like dump. Do you? When people say, oh, photo dump or something This is dump. a new thing. This is a new thing that everybody's doing. Yes. Because everyone's trying to spend time off social media. So they take photos and then they dump them on social media later. Uh, I just don't like the word dump. I think it's not appropriate for, uh, I don't want to be dumped on. Do you know what I mean? Even by your lovely photographs. Here's a question for you. What's all this got to do with Beth Ditto? Zero. Shall we listen to the goddess Beth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You said something in an interview which I thought was really lovely that, like, Teddy really educated you about straight privilege and how, yeah, um, you know, because you, both you and Alan have been married to men and women, but you have therefore oscillated between. <laughs> But not at the same time. <laughs> you had to learn. You had to learn that. I did learn a lot because, like, being with him in public, people do. You forget, right? Like, you forget that you're queer. You, it's your normal. So you're walking around. I mean, not always. You don't always forget. But boy, like, you forget like what it's like to be straight and people to treat you like a straight person. And you're like, oh wow, this is like instant. <laughs> ease or something really like but even though it's not because there's a level of like well not instant ease like you don't feel easy because there's different situations when you're dating somebody who's trans 
openly trans like you you have to think about with them and I mean I don't like to talk about his experience because I can't but not can't but don't you know it's not my place it's his yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and so I will say that like wow straight privilege is real (laughs) (laughs) it's wild and but you know like we were on the we were in the plane one time and we had just gotten together and we were coming back from Florence because he was like, oh, I always just wanted to go to Florence because he studied art history. He's, I don't know, I don't know college speaks some, something that Medici, Medici, Medici. Yeah. And I was just like, cool. Show me the statue of David. And, um, so we, 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 yeah, come on, hurry up guys. It was actually really amazing. We went to, so we went to Florence and we did all these, you know, we did so much like tourism stuff and we looked at all this art and he was great and he knew all about it and it was really cool. But you know, on the way playing home from that, cause we'd had this beautiful trip and it was so romantic and it was so like eye opening and great. And we were frolicking and it was supposed to, you know, and like, they were just like, you two seem to be celebrating something <laughs> like, you know, like, like giving us the look of like, huh? And I was like, yeah, yes, yes. I don't remember exactly what you said, but they were like, we're going to bring you a whole bottle of champagne. They brought us an entire bottle of booze. (laughs) And I was like, I'll tell you right now, that never would have happened if I was with my ex-wife. That never, I mean, we used to get a lot of, you know, you know what I mean? Like, because both of our names, we had, because I took her last name is Ogata. And so I used to get a lot of Mrs. Ogata, Mrs. Ogata. And she, uh, we looked very different, and they would be like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's oh, what you think." It's the same you sex know. union. So like, is this your adopted sister? No, <laughs> no. It would be remiss to have a best of episode and miss out you asking one of our interviewees if they miss Dick. I think cock was the word. I think it was cock. Mm. I mean, I feel. In my whole tenure as uh, co-host of uh, uh, Homo Sapiens, I feel I shall be most remembered for my Barbara uh, uh, Wind- Walters, Windsor, Barbara Walters moment. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> Barbara Windsor, if we're honest. <laughs> pretty Barbara Windsor. <laughs> but for you, know, Carson Tuller, lovely Carson, uh, I, I asked him, I, I remember I said to him, can we talk about your anus? That's what I said to him. And in this one, I said to uh, Paris, I said, D- D- do you not miss cock? And even she's embarrassed, I think. She sort of goes, oh, Alan, like that. Yeah. But I feel these questions have to be asked. It's happened a few times. And every time you do it, it always upends the conversation and it goes somewhere fun and funny. Yes. It's a nice break. Exactly. <laughs> a cock breaker. <laughs> Something like that. On some level, you know, there is a different version of me who was who was born cisgender, you know, who was a real girl, quote unquote, who lives in my hometown, is married to a guy that I went to school with, has two kids, live next door to, to my family, you know, the neighbours babysit, who has maybe a slightly less eventful life than I have now, mm. who is maybe possibly happier. But who knows, because there's a lot of people in my hometown who are unhappy. But I do think about that person a lot. I do. What would you say to her if you met her? Oh, I don't know. I guess I would say the grass is always greener on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, because I do know people who are unhappy in my hometown. Mm. I know people who feel trapped in their marriages, who Mm. are on antidepressants. You know, that's not uncommon. Mm. So... I, you know, I, I do look at people I went to school with and I think, well, hang on, we're getting to an age now where 
you've got cars. People are starting to buy their first houses. They've got kids. And mm. I could look at that and think, well, I don't have any of that stuff. Mm. But they could look at me and think, oh, well, she's doing this and she's on the television. And how does she mm. know these people and all the rest of it? So um, I, I, I try to be really grateful for what I've got. And I think what I've got at the moment is freedom, actually. And, and maybe I'll have those other things, too. But I think I do want those things. And I think maybe when I when I first came to London, I think I was sort of very, you know, oh, I got away from the small town and I go to parties with celebrities. You know, I work in the media and I'm cool. And now I've realized, well, actually, it's it's kind of cool having close relationships with with your family and it's kind of cool you know having a beautiful home you know and 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 the things that really sort of matter and I think that coronavirus has made us all of us take a second look at what's really important in life really and and I I I, I do feel very warm towards my hometown and I feel a lot warmer to, to the people that I, I I went to school with and I, I also recognize actually that you know I was the one that was different. I don't think people knew what to do with 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 a kid like me. And I think it's very difficult to sort of be gracious and empathise with people whilst they're abusing you, right? Mm, yeah. But I, I think that's probably the greatest privilege that I enjoy. In and I want every trans person to have this, is to be so happy and so validated, to have so much love and meaning in your life that you can afford to be gracious, I think that's the ultimate luxury because I don't think a lot of trans people have that, you know, mm. and, and I, I feel that I can finally afford to be the bigger person and be gracious. And I've lived my whole life, you know, beg, stealing, borrowing to get to where I am and, and having these like, you know, thinking I have to be a bitch, you know, you're not going to walk over me. I'm going to walk over you because these are defense mechanisms. And I see so many people like clinging to these defense mechanisms. It's a pity because I think how many people in my hometown could I have strong relationships with now if, if things have been different? And it, and it makes me sad. It does make me sad. I do think that one of the LGBT people and beyond will always have life in a slightly funny order. And yes. I think that yeah. I, you know, I think that upsetting of the equilibrium is what makes life interesting and so you're learning French right. now when all the other kids who didn't have to have a complete base level existential crisis when they woke up in the morning yeah that that means that they could just sit in French and learn it and it know? also feels like you're making peace at that time oh it's so lovely to hear that yeah but one thing I was I just wanted to ask you is that you mentioned about how you've made this fabulous like you sort of had to make a fabulous life to sort of counter Yes. Uh, yeah. The darkness of of your of your past and of your childhood and stuff and things that happened to you. Yeah. I'm wondering that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Is there not a lot of pressure that you feel to kind of keep this fabulous life? To kind of is there not some way you can? Well, I mean, in, in a way, you're sort of saying you're going to you're kind of stepping back now from your fabulous life. You're going to go and hide in France and do. I'm just curious about that comment though, because it sort of seems to me it's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. Well, the, the the thing is, and I, I really don't, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm this big victim when I sit around wallowing in the past, but I, on, I literally cannot tell you how unhappy I was as a child. I just desperately wanted to be loved and accepted by everybody. We all need that, right? You know, and I cannot accept that it, that, that that was my life. I just, I cannot accept it. I've got to put so much good into my life. That it, that it that 
that that bit is like okay that's that's fine that's that as a percentage of my whole life that that is mm. now like a, a mm. small percentage if, if that makes sense yeah and I'm so I, I yeah I and, and so I do I do feel that 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 pressure actually and I think it's, it's interesting what you say because that's happened so many times in my life you know for instance I grew up feeling you know being told that I was ugly that you know you'll never you'll never be a girl you'll never look like a real girl Wow. You know, and I, I thought that I thought that I could never, never look good. I grew up feeling like I would never be pretty. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward like 10, 15 years, I'm I'm in a Pantene campaign. And I look great. And I don't You're mean that gorgeous, to be arrogant. Yeah. I don't mean that to be arrogant, but it's very interesting to me that a, a lot of the things that I thought I wouldn't get and just weren't on the table mm. for me at all. Mm. No, it takes me a lot longer to get them. But mm. then I get them like tenfold. <laughs> you know, I thought like, I didn't think, you know, I didn't people can I took people didn't want to sit next to me at school. They really? didn't want to they didn't want to walk home with me. I didn't get invited to parties. I didn't go on school trips. Mm. And now I basically get paid to go around talking about myself. And I've got all of these <laughs> followers online, you know, so it's like I thought I would never be popular. Now I'm popular. And so it's yes. it's and so you know, there is a part of the thing. So maybe it's just going to be too complicated for me to have children and a home and all the rest of it. But judging on ju- judging by the sort of trajectory that my life's taken, I'll probably have like seven children and live in the most amazing house ever. But it will be like another ten years before I do it. You know, well, so this French man's chateau, by the sounds of things. Oh <laughs> my god, I'm so I'm so ready for it. You, you deserve all of this stuff, and every Absolutely. single person on this planet deserves all of the most wonderful things and love and all of that and I think in a way it sounds to me like you're you know we're using the word like fabulous life but sounds to me like you're like you're stepping away from it and like seeing it like standing back from it and but well maybe like what your assessment of what fabulous is is changing you know right like love love a thing you were not allowed to have which is just a loving relationship with members of your family and your local community yeah. It's actually pretty fabulous because if you're starved of it, it's very alienating and it's not nice. Yeah. And you feel constantly like I, I used to describe being at school is feeling like I constantly felt like I was behind enemy lines. That's what I Right, right, you right. Know? Like and you're like, a pariah that you're marked out that everyone's against you. I am meant to be here. Like this yeah. is not meant yeah. to be happening, but yeah. I've got to go yeah. here. I have yeah. to arrive at nine and I leave at four. And yeah. I'm not allowed to tell anyone I don't want to be here. You know, like See, look at you now. It's my heart. But look at you both. Look at us all. Look at all three of us now who sitting here talking about ourselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also uh, are meant to be here and are part of the conversation and are able. Hopefully, you know, the biggest thing I think is to pass it on, is to let take these lessons, yes, and to yeah. help people yeah. who are in that situation. And you know it does get better and it can it can get better and we just yes, need to, yeah. to ensure that it does get better and the more yeah. people share about their own experiences like you do alan like what this podcast is for and like you do paris with your articles and ever and your writing and everything the better it will get i'm intrigued like i i understand very much the thing you're talking about relationships and about how that and that kind of validation coming from that way yeah, I get it. But don't you just sort of like, don't you miss cook? Alan, you're so naughty. <laughs> um... 
Well, it's been an odyssey. It's a, <laughs> I, just feel, I feel like I'm at my funeral. My entire life is flashing before my eyes or my ears. <laughs> uh, oh, will there be nibbles? Drinks and <laughs> I nibbles, hope so. I hope. I hope so. Oh, did I ever tell you the story Please. about what Kristen Chenoweth did? No. So what? Uh, a long time ago, there was a lady who used to run the American theatre wing called Isabel Stevenson. Mm-hmm. And she was lovely. She was like, you know, the American theatre wing is proud to <laughs> not like that. She was lovely. Older lady. And we both knew her, uh, you know, when we were both sort of starting to be on Broadway and everything. Anyway, a few years later, Kristen got a, a message from her <coughs> her assistant, said to her, oh, Kristen, Isabel Stevenson is being honoured at something. Do you want to send her a message? And Kristen, who was doing a promotional thing with some uh, muffins company at the time, said, <laughs> you know what? Let's send her a basket of muffins. So she duly did. Then about a week later, she gets this phone call she goes, from, from Isabel Stevenson's son, who says, oh, Kristen... Thank you so much. It was such a lovely gesture for you to send a basket of muffins to my mother's funeral. (laughs) (laughs) And she sent a basket. So there's all like there's the coffin and all these flowers and wreaths, and then a basket of muffins. Oh, and and uh, and I said to her, "Oh my God, Kristen, did you put any message or anything on it?" She went, "Yes, congratulations, Isabel." (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, isn't that funny? God. So I've, is... we have a pact now, uh, with Kristen and I. Whoever dies first, the other person's going to send a basket of muffins to our funeral. In fact, I would like any everyone to send a basket. If I die, send a basket of muffins to my funeral. I think it'd be lovely. There's something to eat and make and sure they're s- vegan ones. And say congratulations. Okay, <laughs> that's a deal. That's, All right, good. <laughs> we can do it. If you've enjoyed this episode, listeners, of our little best ofs, you can go back and listen to the whole thing in the feed, you know. There's millions. Yeah. Or you could go over to Alan Cumming Shelves and listen to me in my new endeavour talking about random things in my on my shelves. And one of my guests was <laughs> Chris Mel. Sweeney. Oh yeah, Chris Sweeney. <laughs> you <laughs> Mel C. Oh no, I haven't had her. Oh. Yeah, no, you had Jerry. A Jerry. Yeah, I've had Jerry Spice. Yeah. That's just um, my only spice girl I've had. Yeah, you as it were. Alan's new podcast. It's not even that new anymore because there's plenty of episodes to listen to. Yeah, it's it's like absolutely 20, brilliant. Oh, bless you. Bless you, bless you. Really but, you know, is. I was schooled and uh, this uh, this whole uh, array has been an example of how well I was schooled in the art of podcasting mm. by none other than yourself, Christopher. Oh, so you I poor, thank poor you. thing. And, and uh, <laughs> it's been like, uh, it's been nice to have my podcast memorial service uh, tonight <laughs> or today with you all. So, uh, à la prochaine. Mesdames et messieurs and those who don't define us either. Alan, it's been an utter delight. I hope you'll be back for more at some point. I will. love you loads and thank you so much. Love you. Take care and brush your hair. Bye, listeners. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.